Let's talk about your life. You have work. You've got bills and texts and emails. You've got oil changes and groceries. You've got kids. And you got swimming lessons and football and friends and eBay. And showers and shopping and snacks. Things can get pretty crazy pretty fast. And to make things worse, your crazy life is being lived alongside other lives that are just as crazy. And before you know it, the whole house is hectic. We need help. We need help. Uh, I, 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 I didn't mention one person that I want you to be praying for also, and I actually got a text message from this person, and it, speaking of hectic lives, huh? Um, anyway, uh, Mandy Teeter's dad, John Eklund, was in a four-wheeler accident day before yesterday and uh, broke his pelvis in four places. And um, so I got this text message. This, was, this is what it says. Because I sent her one earlier this morning. Sorry I was in the nursery and didn't get your message. She's serving downstairs. Um, anyway, he is recovering well. Fixed two minor arteries Friday, and last night they put in two plates and at least one screw. A couple of units of blood were given, but he sat up in bed this morning and even stood. Mom said the surgeon hadn't been in yet this morning, so I might have more details later. Um, please be praying for John. And uh, just as I, as, as I hear the story, it's, it's amazing that... Um, he was able to get the help that he needed as quickly as he was, you know, with our just sporadic cell phone service. And he actually was able to make a phone call um, laying there. And uh, um, anyway, uh, just continue to pray for John Eklund. Uh, would be appreciated. He is risen! He is risen! Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful? We should really, we should say that every morning when we get up. You know, um, yesterday it was go abs, go abs, go abs. It should be every morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, you know, it seems to me like we are no longer a part of the human race. We are a part of the rat race. Right? I mean, we're scurrying here and there doing this and that. All for what? Um, really, kind of in a way, looking for that cheese. Hoping that it's a big chunk of cheese oftentimes. Um, and, and, and I want to tell us this morning that, that we need to give up the hectic life and we need to rejoin the human race and give up on the rat race. Now, I wish I could just stand up here this morning, give you a great defense of how you need to say no in your lives, how you need to cut half of the things out that you are currently doing to give you time to relax and be healthy. Well, I've done that before. And I've continued to have conversations with you, and, and we continue to live hectic lives. We, we really do. Probably 95% of us in here live, you know, day-to-day, hour-to-hour, moment-to-moment. And, and we don't have time to just sort of take a deep breath. Um, and so that's part of what this series is going to be about. Um, the ultimate goal when it comes to this series would be that you would say no to some things. Now, something else I want as, as a form of introduction is to let you know, you know, there's a house up there, keys to the house, and, 
And uh, we wanted to do some sort of family series. Uh, we even talked about doing a marriage series, but we didn't want to leave out, you know, three-fourths or half of the, of, of the church in doing a series like that. So, so this is a series that as we go through each one of these attitudes, it doesn't matter what place in life you are. Whether you're married, uh, married and have young children, married and have adult children, whether you're a single mom, a single dad, whether you're a college student, uh, whether you're retired, or you're in, in school K-12. through doesn't matter. Every topic that we're going to talk about over the course of the next six weeks will apply directly to you. And, and in some cases, um, I want to leave that responsibility to you to make that connection, to trust God to tell you as you listen to these messages over the next six weeks to do in your heart and your mind what He wants to do in your heart and in your mind. Um, the other thing that the, vo- the, the video pointed out is the fact that we not only live hectic lives, but we're interacting with other people who are living hectic lives. And, and if we're living with unhealthy attitudes together, it can get quite messy, can't it? Um, there's a lot of hurt and stress and anxiety that, that just begins to grow in, in all of those relationship situations. And it's not fun. Life is not fun when we don't get along, is it? It wasn't, it wasn't fun on the playground, and it's not fun as adults. Uh, in fact, it causes all kinds of uneasy feelings. And we need to remember that we are on the same team. First as Christ followers, first as believers, we are on the same team. As a church, we are on the same team. We are on the same mission, but also as a family, as, as students as a co-worker in a, in, a, in a business or as a nurse or a doctor, whatever it is, whatever relationships that you have throughout the day. Now, there's nothing like pride and selfishness of other people to add anxiety and stress in your life, is there? Uh, I don't like to be around people that are prideful and, and arrogant. It's not fun. Um, and there's nothing like bad decisions and unloving attitudes to add just that more discomfort. So we're going to be talking about these attitudes. And I'm praying that, that, on, a, that on, a, on a deep level, you will commit to this series. That, that you will um, not only come on Sunday mornings and, and be a part of the teaching on Sunday mornings, that, but that you will go home, you'll find the website, maybe on your smartphone or on your computer. You'll you go to our webpage, you'll go to the media, you'll click on Second Look, and you'll watch that Second Look video every week. It's 12 minutes. It's 12 minutes. Please, carve out 12 minutes to watch this. Pastor Ty does a great job every, every week. Whether you watch it or not, it's there. The work has been done. And, and he's going to further uh, help us think about and, and wrestle with the, the attitudes and the issues that we're going to be talking about. Now, one of the things that we talked about in our staff meeting this week was the fact that one of the underlying things of this series is love. No, this is not a hula hoop, by the way. Um, one of the underlying things of this series is love. And the, the fact that, that love binds together all things. And, and this, this ring right here, this is actually a key ring. And, and this, is, is, this represents love for us during this series. This key ring is going to hold the keys that we're going to be talking about each week um, to, to live a healthy, uh, to have healthy attitudes in, in a hectic world. Another thing that I want to mention about this ring, in addition that it represents love, is that where does love come from? 
It comes from God. Love comes from God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So love comes from God. Our ability to love, our ability to succeed in any of these attitudes that we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks comes from God. Okay, Love comes from God. And, and love is not just a verb... It's a noun, and Ty's going to be talking about the fact that it's a noun also. It's something that we have. It's something that God is, not just what He does. Now, this love that we are able to have, these attitudes that we are able to have, comes from, the power to have those comes from the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us. Because if we have the love of God in our life, we also have the Holy Spirit. We are told that on salvation, that we receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and the Holy Spirit gives us strength. The Holy Spirit gives us that strength that we need to forgive. The Holy Spirit gives us that strength that we need to celebrate. The Holy Spirit gives us that strength that we need to, to, to be selfless, that, that we need to, uh, to have unity, that we need to be patient, to honor others around us. And as we are these things, as we do these things, there then is great unity within the church and within our families and within our workplaces, within our community as a whole. Now, what I want you to understand is that we, what we are not talking about, we are not talking about behavioral modification. You know, because sometimes we get this way. We think, well, Pastor Dave says that I need to be humble, Okay. So by the sh a sheer act of my will and a decision that I'm going to humble myself, we set out in life to fix this thing that's wrong in our life. And, and, and we just think if we wrap these straps of discipline around that thing, that we can be that and that we will succeed in that. But I like to, to think of it as the, the, the steel straps that are around a big bunk of two-by-fours. You know, those are tight Metal, straps, very strong. But if that bunk is put under enough pressure, if there's a, enough expansion in the wood, those straps will eventually fail and they will break and they will fly off. And that's exactly what happens in our lives if we're focusing strictly on behavioral modification. It's like, I'm just going to do this thing. And then we get pressure from one side or, the, or another and we fail at whatever it is. And then we begin to wonder, well, gee, does God really love me? And is God really here? And if I can't even succeed at this, how could I succeed in anything else in life? And maybe we even question our salvation. Do, do I have the Holy Spirit in my life at all any, anyway? So we are not talking about behavioral modification. It's much, much deeper than that. It's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a bag of marbles here. It's not really a pretty bag by any means of the imagination, but you can see the marbles in it. And there, there's marbles in here of all sorts of sizes and colors. Earlier, first service, I said shapes, sizes, and colors. It's like, no, they're all round. They're marbles. Um, but this is, like, this is like our lives. And, and this bag would be similar to behavioral modification. It's what's holding these lives together. But when the, the stress of life separates some of these marbles... What happens? They, they, they go all over the place. Um, they, they don't stay together. Only, only when they are contained in this bag right here. 
some of us, this is our life. Let me just put these back in. Okay, some of us, that's our life. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to think about. I have three other, I'm calling them marbles, right here. Okay, now there's something that these marbles have that those marbles don't. Anybody have a guess of what it is? It's power. Hidden secret power, right? Because they stick together. There's, a, there's an internal energy or power that allows these marbles to stick together. And these marbles, unlike these marbles, when they are forced apart by a circumstance of life or a difficult situation, these marbles are constantly trying to what? Trying to come back together. Now, it's not really the marble in and of itself. It's what's contained inside the marble. This, that, that, that force that's in there represents the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. See, it's this power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability, the empowerment to have healthy attitudes. Not ourselves. Not ourselves. If we rely only on ourselves, this is what our life is going to be like. It's going to be hectic and it's going to stay hectic and it's going to get messy and things are going to fall on the floor. Just like that. Now they all fell on the floor. This is what we're talking about this morning. Relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. So for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about the things that are empowered and that it's possible. We can have these attitudes. We can do this because of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're calling these things keys. Keys to a healthy life. And the first key that we're going to be talking about this morning is selflessness. Selflessness is our first key this morning. And if you would turn to Philippians chapter 2, this is going to be our passage for the remainder of the morning. Philippians chapter 2. And I want to propose to you that even if you don't say no, and even if your life is hectic right now, if these attitudes, when these attitudes become a part of your life, you will be more healthy. We will be in healthier relationships. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. Now, in the first couple verses there, verses 1 and 2, Paul is saying that we need to live in unity. We need to live in unity. And, and, and in this context, he's talking about unity in the church. But in other contexts, in other passages, the, the Bible tells us that we need to live in unity within every, every relationship that we have. Not just in the church. Paul says that, that we should be like-minded, that we should have the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Essentially, we're a team. We need to think like a team. We need to live like a team. We need to act like a team. As a church, as a husband, as a wife, as a family unit, as a witness to our community, no matter what other relationships that we have. And then Paul outlines for us four ways to accomplish this unity and love. And they're each related to each other. And again, we're calling this key this morning selflessness. So first of all, Paul says in verse 3 right there, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Paul says that we are to reject selfishness. Reject selfishness. See, selfishness is a consuming and destructive sin. I mean, we're all susceptible to selfishness, aren't we? Um, growing up as children, what was the thing? When you were younger, when you were little, what was the thing? Or let's, let's say middle school, high school. What was the number one thing on your mind? Yourself. It was the number one thing on my mind. My comfort, my food, my schedule, my activities. My studies, me, this, mine, my time. Of course, this is never true of us as adults, is it? I always tell couples, uh, usually the first session that we have together before they're married in pre-marriage counseling, that, that you'll never know how selfish you really are until you get married. And then you'll find out. I, I don't know what it is about marriage. It's like that other person becomes a mirror into your life. And you begin to see all of the things that somehow as a single person you've been able to not think about and not recognize in your own life. Marriage is like a mirror. Our spouse shows us our shortcomings. And it's not a fun thing, is it? Those of you that are married here this morning. It's, it's not a fun thing. Uh, about a year ago, we did a thing called the Love Dare. And I, I've shared this before, but I know there are a lot of people that are new here this morning. Um, we did this thing called the Love Dare. It was 40 days where, where I, just, uh, I just went through this book and did the things that they told me to do. All, and, and they were all for my wife, Sarah. And, and after about the fourth or fifth day, I just really was convicted. And, and then, of course, this particular day, um, it was all about selfishness. And, and, it, and it, it wanted me to think about uh, how selfish of, of a person I am. And, it, and, and, and I mean, the thoughts were just on and on and on. And the Holy Spirit was just giving it to me. And I'm wrestling with this. And, and, and I know, I know it's true, but I don't want to admit it. So later that evening, there's some questions you're supposed to ask your spouse. And we were laying in bed, and I don't remember what we were talking about. But, but I said, Sarah, what are you thinking about right now? And she had the audacity to say, and I quote, I was thinking about how selfish you are. 
Now, she doesn't remember it. Yes, you did. Now, had this been any other day but that day, I'm pretty sure the defensive walls would have gone up. I'd have come up with all kinds of excuses why it's okay for me to be selfish. But the only thing that I could say, the only response I had for her was, you're right. You're right. And believe me, I'm praying. I'm asking God to give me the power to not be so selfish. Because I don't want to be known as a selfish person. I don't want my wife to experience the selfish side of me. Uh, and, and I believe as, as I daily, or at least what she reminds me, am selfish, that if I just lay that down before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, that He will mold me. He will mold me. See, selfish was, selfishness was a part of the first sin. Satan put his will above God's will in heaven, and he was cast out of heaven. Adam and Eve placed their own personal will and desires above that of God's. What a selfish decision they made. There were these two friends who, were, who had met for dinner at a restaurant. It was one of those restaurants where they bring the food to you, you know, kind of on platters, and then you scoop it off, you know, family style, they call it. And they both ordered filet mignons, and they both ordered done the same. They both ordered them medium rare. And when the waitress brought the food out, one of the fillets was bigger than the other one. So one of the friends proceeded to serve the two of them, and he, he put the two fillets, one on, on one plate and one on the other, and then he handed his friend the smallest fillet. And of course, his fillet was, or, or his friend was like, well, you really have the nerve, don't you? And he was like, well, what's troubling you? He said, well, how dare you give yourself the biggest steak. And, and so the friend was like, well, how would you have done it? And the man said, well, if I were serving, I would have given you the big piece. Well, he said, I've already done it for you. <laughs> Selfishness. See, here's the good news. As we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we surrender that selfishness to Him, he gives us opportunities. He gives us the ability, the empowerment to make selfless decisions. To not be selfish. It is possible for us to reject selfishness. It is. And, and what I want to encourage you to do this very week is to look for opportunities where you can act selflessly. Where you can reject selfishness. And, and you're going to have to get up every morning and, and consciously think about it. You're going you're to have to be aware of that. Because in our hectic lives, as we're running from here to there, we kind of can forget about those things. The internal power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. One of the top attitudes in our culture today, I think, is vanity. Vanity. You don't have to turn the TV on for very long early in the morning to see how vain our culture has really become. There are some commercials that are just, wow, amazing. Are you kidding me? And, and, it, and it's like, of course, their goal is to sell you what it is. They have to make you feel 
inferior, you know, weak, overweight, all of those things. And then they give you the pitch, right? They get you thinking vanity, right? So that they can sell you something. So Paul says that we are to reject vanity. Where selfish ambition is related to the pursuit of personal goals, vain conceit seeks personal glory and acclaim. It's an overinflated self-image. If you watch sports much, it doesn't take long to see there's a lot of people in professional athletics that have overinflated self-images. There are a lot of people in Hollywood that have overinflated self-images. There are a lot of people sitting in this room that have overinflated self-images. Honestly. We have to be careful. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear that you're worthless because that's not true. God values you. You were created in the image of God. We, we just are. We, we don't have to be overly... Uh, we don't have to overly pursue this personal glory and acclaim. When we operate with arrogant pride, it causes disunity, doesn't it? Do you like to hang out with arrogant people, prideful people? Me either. You know, um, and there's nothing worse than an arrogant person that's better than you. Right? You've played games with people like that, right? You just can't seem to beat them at something. I get this way with disc golf sometimes. And, and so really what it boils down to, because Ty is a better disc golf player than I am, what it really boils down to is me hoping that he'll play badly that day and I will play as best as I can so that I'll have a chance to beat him. And I have beat him on occasion. And it was occasions when he played really bad. Okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's arrogant or prideful about that. <clears throat> well, maybe once in a while. <laughs> uh, in the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were headed in, as they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like radar malfunction or GPS. It wasn't thick fog or bad weather. The cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered cleared, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give to the other. Each was too proud to yield first, and by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. People died. You know, in, in our relationships, arrogant pride as part of the fall creates uneasiness and sin and conflict and, and friction. But we don't have to live that way. We don't have to be prideful and arrogant. Um, arrogant pride is another part of the fall. Satan, Satan was an incredible creation. In fact, the Bible says that, that he was more beautiful than any of the other angels. He was amazing. And then it all went to his head. In Isaiah 14, 12-15, we see a description of this. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn, talking about Lucifer. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low, 
the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned. I mean, you can just hear his voice, right? I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High God. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. We've all seen it. Discord and division are inevitable when pride and arrogance are the attitude. Paul says, reject it. And this morning I say, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. You can reject it. It's not fun being around someone who says or thinks I'm better than everyone else. In fact, it's not fun hearing that from someone else if that person is you, is it? But we have to submit that to the power of the Holy Spirit. James 3.16 says this, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. We don't have to live that way. Reject selfishness. Reject vain conceit. Two commands against things. Now Paul gives us two positive actions. He says this, uh, end of verse 3, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Live with a posture of humility, Paul says. Have you ever met a humble person? Have you ever met somebody that lives with a, a pretty good sense of humility? They're kind of fun to be around, aren't they? You know, they're not always talking about themselves and um, they're concerned about what's going on in your life and other people's lives. And it's it's, it's kind of like, I guess, climbing the corporate ladder but not stepping on people as you do. I think that's humility. Um, it, it's putting, putting your um, needs below theirs. Uh, president Lincoln once got caught up in a situation where he wanted to please a politician. I'm sure no president has ever done that before. So he issued a command to transfer certain regiments during the Civil War. Now, when the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, received the order, he refused to carry it out. He said, I'm not doing that. And this is what he said about the president. He said that the president was a fool. Lincoln was told what Stanton had said, and here is Lincoln's reply. If Stanton said, I'm a fool, then I must be, for he is nearly always right. What a great attitude. I'll see for myself, he said. So he went and he had a visit with Stanton. And at the end of that conversation, it says the president uh, realized that his decision was, in fact, a serious mistake. And without hesitation, he withdrew it. True humility. Admitting that there is somebody that is smarter than me or might have a better opinion than me, or, or even if it's not, um, wanting to honor them in, in their thought and opinion and decision. And, and this, is an, this humility thing is an everyday decision. We, we get up in the morning and we say, I'm not going to make other people my step stool today. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you need to, to write that on your mirror um, or put that on the dash of your car and you need to say that every day as you go to work. Today, I'm not going to make the people that serve under me my step stool. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love and care for them in a, in a way of humility. Uh, I, I like this. Winston Churchill was once asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? 
It's quite flattering, replied Sir Winston, but whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if instead of making a political speech I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. We can reject selfishness. We can reject vain conceit. We can live humble lives in the power of the Holy Spirit because you have that power living in your life. And as we live with this attitude of selflessness instead of when stresses and hard things come and we fall apart and fall off the table like those marbles, we are like these marbles. And there is this there is this power that, that, that seeks to pull us together. I mean, just the fact that you struggle with some of these things and you wish they weren't in your life, that's that power at work in your life. When you feel guilty because you have a fractured relationship some, with someone, that's that power working in your life. And then the final thing Paul says is this, look out for the interests of others. I was with someone this week that was in the midst of a situation that was the culmination of selfishness. Lots of people around them were acting selfishly. It was, it was all about them. You know, their life and their focus of every day was all about them. And it didn't matter what was going on in other people's lives. It was all about them. Even when they should have been caring for another person. Nope, it's all about them. And what he said to me was, he... he, he constantly had conversations with the people in his immediate family about Project One. You know, Project One, you know, we've been, we've been uh, talking about the all-church workday. Project One is the North Hills workday. Uh, it usually is the first Saturday in October. However, I think we're going to try and do it a little earlier next year to maybe catch some warmer weather. Last two years we've had to postpone it because of snow. So we're going to change the date. But, but it's a day where, where we go and we serve the community. And we don't ask questions. Someone says, we need this. We help them with it. We don't make judgments on, on, on anything in their life. Where they are at um, spiritually, where they are at emotionally, where they are at with, the, with their family, what kind of decisions they're, they're making, how clean their house is, whatever. We don't make judgments. In the morning, we have this motto, don't we? those of you that have participated in it. What is the motto of Project One? It's not about me. It's not about me today. It's about the person I'm serving and everything I'm doing is I'm doing to hold them higher than me. I'm serving them today. I'm serving them today. Looking out for the interests of others. Verse 4, you can look at it. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think it's important to point out here that Paul is not saying don't ever look out for your own interests because he says right there, he says each of you should look not only to your own interests. So we are, we are and should look to our own interests. You fathers should be caring for your family and supporting them and leading them spiritually. You moms should be loving your husbands and your children. And husbands, of course, you should be loving your wives. And children, you should be honoring your parents. And, 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 and it goes on and on. Whatever situation you're in, we should be caring for our health. We shouldn't say, well, I'm serving the Lord, so I shouldn't worry about my health. No, that's, that's not biblical. I heard of a pastor who said that uh, he was a workaholic. He worked, I don't know, way too many hours in a week. Let's just say it was 80. It could have been more. And he was expecting his staff to work that too. And his staff began to 
sort of crumble under this pressure and had a conversation with the pastor and said, look, you're working way too hard. You need to slow down. You need to rest. And he looked at this staff member and he said, you know what? I'll have plenty of time to rest when I'm dead. And you know what? It's not right. God didn't create us to work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You see, He gave us the Sabbath for a purpose and a reason. To care for ourselves. We, we do need to look to our own interests. Now, I'm not saying that God would never call us to something of sacrifice. You know, there are plenty of missionaries who give up comfort and even safety to answer a call of God to go to another, to another nation, another country. Um, all I'm saying is, is simply this. It's okay for us to look out for our own interests. It's, it's a responsible thing to do. But Paul says that each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, we do need to come to the conclusion that it's not about me. And we need to take up this key of selflessness. And we need to say, God, I need you to sharpen these edges for me. I need you to, to duplicate my key in the way that you want it to be duplicated so that I can unlock some of the doors in my life that have been locked by selfish attitudes and, a, and an arrogant and a prideful spirit. Because we're in community. We're created to be there. Whether it's within our families or within our church or within a community like Torrington or Lingle or Morrill or wherever, or we're a part of an athletic team or we, we're on a work crew at our job. You know, there's nothing that destroys a team more than somebody who doesn't act selflessly, right? You know, maybe you've seen it. Somebody on the team gets written up in the newspaper. And the other people on the team get a little bit jealous because they're getting all the press and we start feeling like we're doing all the work. Well, if you respond pridefully and selfishly, it's going to create disunity in that team and you're going to be a less effective team. But if you approach those situations... Not with vain, rejecting vain conceit, rejecting selfishness in a humble spirit, holding others up higher than yourself. You know what? Peace is going to abide there. It is. And, and you know, I can't help but think someday as we live that way amongst people that, that God is possibly going to honor us in some way too. You might get your press one day. It's just not today. And, and we just need to instead celebrate with that other person. I should celebrate the 25-yard putts that Ty puts in that I wished he'd miss so I could win the game. Really, I mean, it, it, it really is that. Celebrating with other people, holding them up as being greater than, than we are. And as the Holy Spirit empow empowers us to practice this key, we can. We can do it. And I would suggest that that's a much better alternative than the other. Now, the final point this morning is this. Number two, it all begins with Jesus. 
Um, there is none of this that we're talking about on a Sunday morning without Jesus. And, and Paul shows us that Jesus is the ultimate example of this. In verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, He's God, yet He didn't consider Himself equal, equal with God um, as something to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He became a human being for crying out loud. You talk about you know, putting other people before yourself. That's what Jesus did. Amazing. Being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So God exalted Him to the highest place, gave Him the name that is above every name, that at that name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And I pray that you at that name, you bow on this earth before you pass into eternity. Because on the other side, the fact that everybody will bow is true, but not everybody will receive eternal life. Only those who surrender their life before they die receive salvation. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As the worship team comes up, I want you to look for opportunities this week to let selflessness shine in your life. Every morning, get up and make the decision. I'm not going to live this. I'm going to look for opportunities today to live for somebody else, to help somebody else. Who knows what kind of blessings the Lord's going to provide when you do that? And, 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 and what, what would the conversation be like next week if all of us did this? I think, you know, some of us are going to be, wow, that was just really hard. Um, some of us, you know, God's going to give you opportunities this week. If, if during these closing, this closing time, if, if you make the commitment, Lord, yeah, I, I, I want your, your power of the Holy Spirit to work inside of me, and I, I want you to begin. If, if you are far away from, from things and people, um, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to pull me together to those people that I'm separated from. I want you to work. I want you to give me opportunities. If you pray and ask God to give you opportunities to, to uh, show selfless, trust me, He will. He will. And please also trust me in this. That if you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will and you can live that way. Let's sing. I'll invite you to stand your feet and as we come.